Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 174. This episode is with the strength and conditioning coach and also running coach, David O'Connor. So I reached out to David after him posting quite a few um, quality posts over on, on Instagram that caught my attention. So we got into a bit of a discussion uh, and DMs and then we discussed coming on and doing a podcast. So it was great to catch up with him. Um, David touched on a number of different areas. He spoke about working with semi-professional players. I know we spoke about that before recently on the podcast, but it was good to get his perception on his approach to working with semi-pro players. He spoke about the differences between working with academy players, semi-pro and then first team players as well. We spoke about building robustness, which is actually what our first discussion um, over on Instagram started around, like how we go about that. And David went into not just physical robustness, but also everything else that comes with dealing with playing at the first team level too. And then probably the most important part of this podcast, we spoke about living with depression. David spoke openly before about living uh, with depression and we touched on some really important factors around speaking to other players, might be coaches, um, around depression and the fact that we need to have more conversations and David gives some really good advice actually as well on how to speak to people because I think it's hard sometimes when you know people are struggling, you feel like you've got to just give them the answer and there is just one answer and he gives some really good advice on that as well. So get, make sure you listen out to that and also if you're going to share the show for anything this week, I think it should be for that because it's a really, really important message. So we'll get into, this, into the show in a second but just before we do... I'm delighted to say we've now got three events confirmed, three upcoming networking events. We've got a Northwest event on the 16th of February, Wednesday the 16th of February at Everton. Now, the places are going pretty fast on this one, so um, if you do want to come to that event, make sure you head over and grab your ticket because places are being snapped up pretty quick. We've also recently announced we're going to be down in the southeast, Oxford, Oxford United uh, on Wednesday, the 2nd of March. I'm delighted to say we've got Oxford United coaches, Harry Routledge and also Chris Neville, both both uh, presenting for us at that event. So I can't wait to head down to Oxford. And then a brand new event to announce on the Thursday, the 17th of March, we're going to be down at Bristol City. And this event is going to be based at the training ground. Um, we have got three presenters on this one. We've got Steve Taylor, um, who works at Bristol. We've got Del Bonsu, who's also at Bristol City as well. Both um, coaches at Bristol City. And then also, I'm delighted to say that Rich Clark, obviously been on the podcast reasonably recently, is also going to be presenting for us. So three absolutely brilliant presentations upcoming at the Bristol event as well. If you want tickets to any of these events... Early bird tickets are available still for the Oxford and Bristol events. Just go to footballfitfed.com, click the shop tab and you'll be able to purchase your ticket there and confirm your place at the event. And it'll be great to see as many listeners to the podcast at those events as possible as well. Just before we get into the episode, I want to say a big thank you to our sponsors. So first of all, Black Box Fitness. Black Box are the world's best training, equipment, accessory and apparel brand. Black Box believes that training isn't just a checkbox on your to-do list. Training is a lifestyle. Continually seeking your highest performance in the gym, on the pitch, at home and in everyday life. To perform at your best, you need the best and Black Box has you covered. So make sure you head over on social media and go and give them a follow at Black Box Fitness, BLK Box Fitness and check out some of the gym refurbs they've done recently at uh, some pro grounds around the country and around the world as well. Um, some great stuff happening over at Black Box. And also Rezzle. Rezzle is the world's leading cognitive training platform for sport. By using VR technology, Rezzle and Player22 can create game style scenarios and recreate pressure to help you prepare for the real thing. So make sure, again, you head over to social media, go and give them a follow at Rezzle underscore um, and see some of the great work that they're doing around VR and some of the research they're getting out as well. So 
A big thank you for your support on the podcast. Please give this one a share. Let's get into episode 174 with David O'Connor. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 174, and this is another first of the podcast. I'm joined today by David O'Connor. David is in his car. First podcast guest that we've had in his car. David, how are you doing? I'm very good, very good, sir. Thank you very much for having me on, and thanks for the intro and calling me out. Uh, <laughs> here I am in my office. <laughs> Hey, I love it. I love it. This is, um, yeah, this shows the true life as an SNC coach, doesn't it? The office is in the car. Absolutely. And that's, listen, there's no point in hiding it. I was going to put a little backdrop, but look, this is where I am. It's been a busy morning and a busy afternoon. But uh, we were discussing there, like, the audio is good, so we'll stay with us. Hey, you can can big up the brand of car because the acoustics are top quality. People spend all these tens of thousands on studios and all you need is a car. That's all you need. Um, but all honestly, mate, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. You put some great stuff out on socials. I know that's where we started interacting um, over on Instagram. So we're going to dive into some of that stuff in a little bit. But just kick us off, mate. SNC coach, running coach. Just take us through a little bit of background on yourself and, and what led up to you doing what you do right now. Yeah, no problem. Well, look, first of all, just thanks very much for having us on. Um I think when I look at the calibre of guests you've had on, I feel a bit like only fools and horses, you know, showing up dressed as Batman and Robin when it's a black toy party. So um, it's, geez, it's, it's when I look at the list of names, you're like, wow, <laughs> I'm now on that I'm now on that episode list. So no, listen, thanks very much for, for having us on. It's great to have a chat. Um, and hopefully, I think the great thing as well, it just puts you in touch with other people and helps networking as well, sharing ideas. So it's brilliant. Um, regarding myself, yes, I think my background is probably a little bit unorthodox. Um, I originally studied English, English and journalism um, when I finished school. So I was quite young when I did the leaving cert here, which is obviously the equivalent of uh, your GCSE. So I was 16 leaving school. So quite young going to college and I'm quite young, Jesus, in terms of deciding what you want to do with your life. Like, I did. Yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to do the following Tuesday, never mind the rest of my days, you know. So um, I've always had an interest in kind of language, writing, and probably had an idea I wanted to be a kind of a sports journalist at one stage. So I think that's how I ended up going down that route. I do get asked a lot now, like, well, Jesus, you know, that's how does that tie in? That's very different. And why didn't you go down that route? You haven't u- utilised your qualifications. And you're sort of like, well, actually, I have, because you thought, like, English, it's, you know, the foundation of communication and the basis of connection and all. So you're, you're utilising it every day. And so it's absolutely something that's served me well. <clears throat> it's been very transferable and different jobs I've had. And to be honest with you, the couple of years in college was the best best time of my life uh, in terms of just, you know, a bit more independence, getting a little bit more confident about yourself and all. So um, really important uh, period of my life. From a sporting perspective, um, always been involved in football. My dad was an incredibly gifted footballer there was there was definitely a mix up in the genes somewhere then I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what went wrong but um, he, he was superb um, you know geez he played right through his, up until he was about 43 or 44 until really bad injury brought, brought an end to it I think otherwise he'd still be playing but um, I think just through him you know growing up your dad's your hero you see how much he loves it how much he kind of puts into it I just took a lot from that um, and just from playing with local clubs when I was young I started training with him um, which was a bit unusual I think you were calling he was right full I was right wing <laughs> you're calling him dad looking for a pass which is a bit odd <laughs> uh, you know I just took a lot from him I suppose in terms of the love of the game and I think probably what he instilled with me was a kind of an appreciation for you know a kind of a professionalism when things are done right, when things are organised and training with him with a senior team from such a young age and seeing that and seeing that structure is actually what gave me a love of coaching because um, it was great just arriving when you could see cones are ready, bibs were down, balls are ready, pumped, and it was just, there was a really great buzz of it uh, under the floodlights and all, it was brilliant and funny enough, I took a lot more pleasure from that than actually playing and kind of in getting into my 20s and all that 
I just kind of realised I didn't really enjoy playing that much. It, it didn't bring the best out of me. Uh, it was like any issue I kind of had in my head, anything I was trying to deal with and was suppressed came out in a really negative way in a football pitch. So I kind of stopped playing really young. I think I was 24 or so. I actually was like, no, do you know what? I prefer coaching because you have to be a bit more responsible um, and take care of yourself and take care of those you're coaching as well. Um, so nothing is wasted, like I said. The, the, the qualifications I had, the people I'd met, a bit more confident in myself. Um, that's how I got into the coaching side of it. So probably started off more on the technical end of things. Um, I think probably at that stage, the likes of Guardiola starting to come around and everybody thought they could get every team in the world playing out from the back. <laughs> <laughs> I think within my first season of coaching, like I, within my first week, I was like, oh, right. doesn't work for everyone. <laughs> right, lads. Breaking ball. Breaking ball. All about the breaking ball. So, um, yeah, kind of look, I, I mean, I probably picked it up, as I said, early 20s. Um more so technical side of it, but I was always really interested in, I suppose, the psychology of hard work and everything that was behind that. And probably this is a common thing, and I've heard this spoken about a lot on your podcast as well. Like you're going to matches, but you'd arrive an hour early to watch the warm up and things like that and see how, yeah, that was great. Jesus, I used to get booking games abroad. Or who, I wonder who, who have I not seen? Walk around, like, go to and see what warm up they'll do. Like, um, so things like that. I suppose to you, I'm going in all sorts of tangents here, Ben. I think it's all relevant, but um, it's aside from the love of football, I the love of running as well. Did athletics in school, um, and that kind of was enough to keep me fit. But in terms of kind of tying the two together, you were sort of looking to sort of make make it sort of marry the two together to say, right, what can I bring into football from athletics to help people? And that's kind of very early on. I was like, all right. Let's teach people how to run. Let's try and specialise in that. So for 10 or so years, it's been something I've been trying to do. Um, and it spiralled into other areas. It gave me a love of sort of fitness overall, starting off, like whether that was taking group sessions for fitness instruction, going into personal training, and then just getting really loved then for just for the strength and conditioning side of things. And I've been very lucky. I've worked very hard. In terms of doing analysis pieces, uh, we're driving all around the country to get a foot in the door of managing coaches and under 18s team with, with shells over here, really high standard, which has been great. I managed to work my way up to our fourth team, which was semi professional. Took a bit of a break as I uh, became a dad. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a bit of an endurance event as it is. Um, hey, tell me about it. <laughs> so it took a, a year or two out. And I might talk about a bit about that later, Ben, because it was the best thing I ever did in terms of being a practitioner, because it, it sort of broke the habits. Um, you probably get to a stage where you're repeating year after year and getting a bit too comfortable. So I think the break was actually one of the best things I ever did. And then for the last sort of year and a half now, I've um, I've been involved in a senior women's team. Um, same club, been very, very lucky. And I run my own practice, as I said, you strength and conditioning and predominantly helping sort of field-based athletes how to run and work on their technique, work on their speeds. And yeah, here I am doing my master's as well. So it's a full plate. It's uh, That's my life story and that, that's probably filled an hour, Ben, has it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you know what, mate? There's some really nice lessons in there. Um, and I think to just take you right back to what you said at the start in terms of sort of qualifications, you're dead right with what you said. Like, we have to make a decision about career very early, don't we? And it, I don't think anyone truly knows that I'm going to end up doing this when I'm 30, 40 years old. Like, I don't think anyone can put a, um, be so precise on what they're going to go into. But the way that you looked at it and the way that you treated it in terms of taking skills from regardless, whatever it is, I've spoke to people that have done things that are, seem like they're nothing to do with sports science, strength and conditioning, but you can always take something and I think if there's anyone listening that's at that age, coming out of school, going through college, like having to make those decisions, I think that is a massive takeaway from yourself and others that you don't have to be, you don't have to know what you're going to go into, um, but you just have to take lessons from what you do, don't you? And if whether it is English or whether it is journal journalism or whatever it is, there's always something in there that we can take forward into future roles. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, look, even from an S&C perspective, I mean, I'm... 
I'm, I'm touching 40 now, a bit too close to 40 than I like to be, but like when I left school, there was no such thing. You know, we didn't know what S&C was, so it wasn't as if you were leaving saying, I know, I, I'm going to do this. So, no, you find your path, and I think it's a good lesson maybe, particularly with young footballers, and in terms of what we do, whether it's gym base or pitch base, just giving them a little bit more as well. To, like, look, squatting with a dumbbell isn't everything. You know, the barbell isn't everything. There's, 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 there's more going on here, and not to get too dogmatic about things either, and keep yourself sort of open. Uh, with the person in front of you and keep them open don't get things narrow with them that's something you have to do this you must do that you don't have to do anything you know really don't like um like some of the most important things you'll talk to young footballers i I call this the netflix test if if you don't know what your athlete is watching on netflix after the fourth session you have failed You know, there's so much going on and you're dealing particularly with me. I deal with a lot of young athletes and, you know, you're not going to tell them here in 20 years you're going to be doing this because you got to nurture it. They might find something through an SNC coach or through a football coach that sets a spark of light that brings them in another direction in life in a positive manner. Might be getting to deal with football. Yeah. And if they do, find it. Great. Job done. So, um, yeah, there's so many... There's so many Zoilos to it, isn't there? Without a doubt, like, and I think I've probably learned as I got a bit older to just just relax and try and enjoy the journey um, as it goes. The effort is the reward. That's one of my favourite quotes. Um, I think it's a nice sort of way to look at things, not to get too caught up in the end game all the time. Just just enjoy it. Yeah, perfect. And I wanted to ask, because we've done a few podcasts recently with practitioners working with semi-professional, part-time players. And it seems there's a lot of listeners that are in that same sort of situation. So I wanted to have a little chat about yourself, because obviously having the experience in that, but also at first team level and academy level as well. Um, talk to us a little bit about working with in a part-time programme, maybe some of the benefits, um, maybe your approach to working with part-time players. Yeah, I, I think well, I know we use that we use the term semi-pro over here. Like it's 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 an awful term. It just kind of makes it sound like you're only halfway in, you know. And it's it's very much professional. You know, it's very much professional. Um, I think probably the the payment for the guys involved is probably what sums it up in terms of being you know semi-professional. But um, it's quite intense with semi-professional football. And I think it's just because when you're grabbing the slice of the pie, there's only so many slices you can grab. The aim is obviously with a manager, they just want to win on a Friday. They want to win, players want to play, and they want to make sure they have a contract. Over here, your contracts are quite short. You might get a year deal. So nothing is secure or set in stone. Um, There's obviously so much pressure involved in terms of people paying in to watch it. You've got TV coverage. And I think a lot of them growing up maybe aren't coached on that. It's not something that comes into a coaching element. Uh, you know, a sort of a well-rounded kind of well-being programme. Hopefully that's something that can change. So there's a lot of pressure. And it, it's. I think in terms of what we do, you have to pick your battles. I mean, I know when I first went in, just being naive, you try and be all things to everybody. And I think we've probably all made this mistake. Like you, you want to be the nutritionist, the psychologist, the the S and C coach, the warm up guy. You know, helping the physio. Help. You want to do everything. You know, and you kind of realise very quickly. Like you know, what I, I just have to. I have to narrow this down a little bit and just be good at one or two things. Um. So I suppose to give an example with the fourth team men, I kind of realised very quickly. Like the touch points are so limited. Like just simple things. Let's get this warm up right. Um, and adapt it as, you know, and that's really, really simplistic. Let's adapt as we go by the week. What do we need to change? What do we need to get ready for in terms of the session that's ahead? Get that right. Do it quietly. Do it with a little bit of love and a bit of energy. And your job is done and they'll respect you for it. What we did then, um, I'm trying to think back because I'm going back five or six years here. <laughs> in terms of the gym piece, um, it, it's not... It's not something that's, it's not part of the culture here. You'll never see a schedule that's like, you know, train and gym on a Monday, pitch session Tuesday. And that's no one's fault. That's just where we are. I think it is kind of changing gradually. 
Now, what I will say, especially with the, with the senior men, like th- there is a fashion, obviously, in terms of going to the gym and looking after yourself. I think getting lads into a gym is never a problem. I think getting them out of the gym can, can be the real problem. <laughs> um, but again, you know, you're okay. Let them make mistakes. Let them learn as well. And, and give them give them your input. Um, but don't try and override everything or... You know, you're not trying to be the boss. You're trying to be a, you're trying to be assistance. You're trying to be there to help. And some people take your help, some won't. But in terms of because that wasn't part of the actual, I suppose the official structure, you're doing a lot sort of ad hoc. You're doing a lot out of the time that's actually allocated to you, which can be enjoyable. Obviously, you're young, you're so enthusiastic. But I think you learn as you grow older. You're like, man, this is eating into a serious amount of time. Like, um, so the kind of I think the second year then I sort of realised right. How can we sort of make this work collectively? So there was a spare room available in the home grounds that used to be a gym, uh, which unfortunately got destroyed in the flood. Um, but the room was still available. So so right, we, we picked up like some like secondhand equipment, rollers, couple of weights, couple of benches, and just got what we could into it. And I said, what we tried to do then was match nights when we were there, the guys were arriving two hours early. Yes, they utilised this space. So you got in touch with the senior guys for us to get down and start rolling, doing their mobility work um, and started using it as almost like the chill out area before they went up then for the meetings. Um, and a little thing like that, it was the smallest thing in the world, but you got two or three buying into it. And sure, before long, the whole squad were down there doing that little bit of work then. And it's better than sitting in the dressing room, scrolling through a phone for an hour and a half waiting for the manager's meeting. So... That's what I mean. I suppose anyone who's younger listening, like, and they are looking, I, I know, like, even for me, like, that whole going in with the force team, this is amazing. Like, um, if I was asked to go back now, I wouldn't because I feel it's something I've done. And I think somebody else could go in now and do something a hell of a lot better than what I did. But if it is, if you're young and you're looking to go down that direction, if it's a semi professional setup or otherwise, like, just pick your battles, pick one or two little wins that you can bring to that team. And then just chip off the little individual bits when people are gonna gonna look for a little bit of help. Um, because you don't have to change the world. I, I think we think we do, but you don't have to. So I hope that answers your question a bit in terms of the semi-pro setup, Ben. Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely, and I, and I think it's really important, isn't it, to look at a program and what's currently in place. You highlighted the warm up, which is something that everyone's gonna do, but mm. there's not everyone utilizing it. So it's something that's already set in place. Like players will do that before every game, but making fine tweaks to it, like you said, can be really impactful, can't it? And it's something you can go in and, and change um, straight away without it being so obvious. Um, whereas other things like trying to put a strength program in place or whatever it is, that might come later. Um, yeah. and, but it's going to be a little bit more obvious, isn't it, to, to such a big change in the schedule. So I think that's a great bit of advice for anyone that's going into a similar sort of situation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, and again, like, look, I'm, I, I'm happy to pass on all my mistakes to others so they can learn, you know. And Jesus, I look forward to making many more because there'll be loads more along the way. But you're dead right, actually, just about the strength piece. So say this is my second year with the senior girls now, and last year very much a conditioning role. And we obviously had a phase last year through lockdown where gyms weren't opening, so you're obviously doing your best to what's available in terms of the time resources on the pitch. Um, whereas this year now, we have that access. We have the gym available on the campus where we're training. And you're slowly now trying to get, they've access to the gym on training nights. Most of them train the gym anyway. A lot of them, we do have programs. But rather than jumping in straight away and saying, listen, we have this gym now before training. This is what you're all doing. They're like, you know what, let them go in and just get a feel for the place first. And if they go in and sit in a bike for 20 minutes, fine. They're in the gym, they're getting a feel for it, they know the staff there, they'll get an idea of sort of how busy it is, what space is available. And that's fine. Just let let that let that grow organically. When they're more comfortable, then we'll sort of sit in and say, right, are you doing your program? What do you like about that gym? Is there any equipment you like? Anything you'd love to try? And nurture it that way. Give them two things to do. Um, and that's, again, people may give a different approach and say you might need to go in hard and heavy, but I just know with the athletes I work with, I know their nature, I know the space they need sometimes, because I would be the same. I, I think definitely going to a new place, you want to be given a little bit of breathing space um, and just assess it, you know, after a couple of weeks, especially now, like you're only back in pre-season, 
you already have the likes of myself and the other coaches hammering them on the pitch to you know to prepare for the season. So, um, you know, just take take your time with it. I think that's what I'd be doing this this year anyway. But it's still progress. You know, having that access on a on a, on a in a training night is uh, is really big progress for us. Yeah, hundred percent. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about is um, the difference from from your perspective in your role from working with academy and then to a semi-professional uh, semi first team to like full-time first team. And I know you're with the, girl, uh, the girls now, like some of the differences, but not in terms of like the athletes you're working with, but from your role, maybe the way that you speak, maybe the way that you behave, like what are the main differences? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think the, the academy role, it's definitely more of a, you present yourself more of a developer as such. It's more of a developmental, you're a development coach. Um, and what I mean by that is it's not just a strength piece. It's not just a conditioning piece. You're nurturing people. It's definitely less intense. I think it's definitely more engaging. And you definitely get that more time in terms of talking to the people. And whether that's the athlete or the parent, if you can build a good relationship with a parent as well, I think it helps because you create this triangle then where everybody's working to help this young person. Um, and that could be conversations about exactly what we said at the start, about school. What's going well in school? What do you want to do when you're finished? Is there letting that side? Maybe we could get a bit of information for you or see if the, who's the right person to talk to. Um, I've always enjoyed that about the academy side of thing. Now, again, my own experience, I've only really worked from sort of 16 to 18. Um, that age group um, in terms of our academy um, and our youth section but definitely less definitely less intense more engaging and a bit more sort of open in terms of where you can go with the conversations and helping people and like you say just because when you go to force team it's just so ruthless it can be quite callous I think we forget sometimes football particularly at the high level it, it's, it's like to say it's like the corporate world with lights in an audience like mm. it it, it it's ruthless. Um, and I think even as in terms of what we do, we need to remember that as well. Um, so, yeah, look, just just being there and in kind of a well, an all-rounder for somebody, I think. Like, look, you can't be the hero. I understand that. But we've two sets of ears, as they say, and one mouth. So listen to what people say. And what about moving into like a more of a first-team role? Like how would, how would your behaviours, your language and that change in that sort of a role? Yeah, I think uh, the approach I took was, um, I, I know I'm quite chatty here and I'm quite relaxed chatting to you, but I, I do tend to, I'm very good at taking a step back to observe and get a reading of an audience. Um, I've got a reading of a group in the dressing room. And I think when I did that force with the force team, I tried to just sit back a little and tried not to say too much. I think I got so insecure about myself, I probably started talking too much. And that's what I said. That's what I try to be. You try to be Batman. You want to be the hero, um, the Cape Crusader. And that's a mistake I made. I talk too much going up when I think put into that situation again, I would have taken a little bit more time just to listen and just to see what was going on. Um, and that's little things to see who's who's the shining light in the dressing room. Who's the one they listen to? Who's the one that's really quiet? Who do they not listen to? You know, little things like that. Um and who's putting on a show because you always know there's someone that's maybe a little bit mouthy, bit of banter or whatever, but you know, behind it all, like, Jesus, this fella's struggling. Um, so definitely going up with the girls, uh, I was a bit more patient. I think that I, I spoke earlier about the break. I think just having a bit of time away um, probably encouraged that as well to see, okay, what has maybe changed here? Let's have a look at this group uh, and see. And I think as well as that, you've got to remember, like, it's 10 months of a season. It is a long, long season. Like you, you don't have to solve the world's problems in the first week or two that you're there, you know? So um, don't be afraid to stand back. Say that to any young coach. Just stand back and have a little look. And like I say, you don't have to go in with a megaphone to, to reinvent the wheel in the first couple of days or weeks. I'm delighted to announce two new... Uh, member benefits to our online community so it's not only uh, all the benefits that are available already like the webinars and the presentations and the access to the whatsapp group and everything that we've got going on already we've also added two new member benefits so the first being 
James Ralph, who's someone that I'm trying to pepper to come on the podcast, to be completely honest. And he will come on at some point, I'm sure. But James Ralph, JR uh, Athletes Edge over on Instagram, he's got an online program, Olympus Online, and he's been very kind to add a discount for community members. So it's 20% discount to his online program. There's three pro- uh, pathways to the program. Um, so depending on what sort of thing you're looking to train for, you can select which path- pathway you want to go on. And then not only do you get access to the program with video tutorials and all the rest of it, you actually get to compete against some of the players that James is training as well. So it's well known that James trains people like Reese James, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, uh, Alexander Mitrovic, as well um, as a number of other top level players. And you actually get access to competing against those as well by posting your scores and seeing what they post on on certain power and strength scores too. Um, You get access to James as well. So you can get some coaching online from James um, through the platform that he runs the program on. And he's also got an Athlete's Edge Combine available too. So you can give that a go. That all comes as part of the uh, package with the program. So I'm delighted to say that members get 20% off. So if you're already a community member, just head over to the member benefits tab on the community and you'll be able to see a code that you input when you sign up to the Olympus Online program. If you're not already a member, I'll tell you how to join in a second. Once I've told you about the second um, new member benefit that we've uploaded. Now, we have had a a similar one previously from Strength Coach Curriculums from Rich Clark, but they are doing a brand new intake on the agility course, which I've heard some brilliant stuff about. Um, So again, you can go and claim the discount code for this course by Rich Clark. Upskill as a practitioner, it's a perfect chance to upskill. Some absolutely incredible content and experience from Rich that I know he's put through on this course as well. So again, head over to the member benefits tab and check out the Strength Coach Curriculums um, discount code that will add discount onto your purchase on the agility course from Strength Coach Curriculum. So two brilliant perks there from being an online member. If you're not already a member, what are you waiting for? Go and sign up. It gives you one month free on the community by going to footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab, sign up there. You'll get a month free to check it all out. And then after that free month, it's only £4.99 per month going forward as well. So come and join us. We've had coaches right across the world join recently. um, And there's two new reasons to come over and be a Football Fitness Federation community member. So we'll get into the second part of the podcast now, episode 174 with David O'Connor. It's cut. That's been the message where I've spoke to a lot of coaches going into a new environment. Um, coaches in the MLS going into football league over in England, like, and it's always it always comes back to the same thing that taking that approach of sort of stepping back and evaluating the situation is so important. Like you say, and, and to capture the phrase that Damien Hughes uses a lot, you're looking for the cultural architects, the cultural assassins in the dressing room, which everyone knows, and I. When I think of that, I always go back to the 90s Man United team and think of the likes of the maybe 2000s, Roy Keane, people like that. Um, they're the ones that sort of stand out. And But if we scale that down a little bit, there's those characters in every changing room, isn't there? And you're right, noticing those, um, realising who they are, the different traits of each each person, whether it, uh, whoever it is you're working with is so important to your role, isn't it? And then how you approach each person. Big time. And the other thing, and we're all the same here, is that you got to remember that people will behave differently in a group than when they're individual as well. So you, you might change your tone a little bit or change your approach and you're talking to somebody on their own because, you know, they might open up a little bit more. They might be a little bit more comfortable. I kind of be like that. I'd be very comfortable with sort of a group of two or three. Sometimes a group of 30 is like, oh my God, <laughs> it's like I might just I might just sit at the back here. Like, so I, I can understand as well, like if people in a football setting, especially if you have those big personalities, it can be easier to just sit back and let them do the talking. Um, again, like we talk about fatherhood, you think about like if you have two kids and the first one's a, a, a blabbermouth, the second one doesn't say anything. Yeah, even in my house. Why isn't he talking? It's like, well, he can't get a bloody word in with the other one. <laughs> yeah. Mate, it's such a good point as well. On, on the group as well, like I just think about like a classroom at a school. 
And you always have those few characters, don't you, that are either at the front talking or the loud mouths. And then you have so probably the biggest, the biggest percentage of the rest of the class that stay quiet. And that doesn't mean that they're not engaged. It doesn't mean that they're not paying attention. It just means that they're not raising to the level of everyone else. And you can cross that over into a team setting 100%, can't you? And a coach setting. So if you think about going to a conference or a seminar, whatever it is, it's exactly the same, isn't it? So I think it's a really important point that you bring up there. That everyone's different and everyone's different in different situations as well. Yeah, and it's interesting because I remember a few years ago, the, the first team men, we were going through a bit of a bad spell results-wise, and it was one of them, everyone in the dressing room for an hour afterwards, you know, trying to dissect the situation. And one player was sort of, he was nailing a lot of players for kind of saying, like, look, you look as if you don't care when we lose. And to be fair, one of the younger lads actually stood up and well, he just said, look, just because I don't come in kicking bottles throwing the fridge around he's like doesn't mean I don't care he says I just handle it differently he said yeah. oh, no, I'm tormented in my head here he says but he says I'm not the type of person that comes in shouting and roaring he says but I'm still hurting as much as you are and I was delighted for him because you're only a young lad he's 18, 19 and I thought like fair play to you like Jesus because that took balls you know Yeah. Um, but it's a perfect example of what we're talking about it's a, the, the dynamic the makeup of any group Um, it, it's always the same and I think what you'll often find as well, like, I think a lot of the time we're so terrible at making these judgments, like, like, Jesus, yeah, he's very quiet, that fella, and then suddenly you realise he's an absolute lunatic when you give him a week or two, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, listen, that, that's why we do what we do as well. It's just people, isn't it? People are fucking amazing. Um, they'll never fail to amaze, they'll never fail to drive you mental, but they'll never fail to amaze you either, you know? 100%. Mate, I wanted to talk about something that we uh, got into a chat about on socials as well, about robustness, because I think it's yeah. a, obviously a really key topic. Um, when you think about building robust players, what are some of the sort of things that spring to mind? Like, what, what are you trying to develop? So this can break into two sections. Like, but if you think of robust and you even look that up in a dictionary, it's strong and healthy. We talk about being vigorous. Now, let's talk about the gym piece, just for example, that if you were getting a young player into the gym, and look, I'm, I'm conscious of this, you don't want to make this all about the gym, set because the pitch, the football, everything is, is, is all together. But I suppose, for example, if you're trying to build a habit with a young player and they're a bit iffy about the gym, if you talk about buying, how to sell that, you can talk about, he he before we even talk about building muscle and protecting your bones, all that good stuff, let's talk about headspace. Let's talk about stress relief. Let's talk about building a routine and let's talk about building new skills. All that is building a robust mind. While you're building that, you're going to build your muscle. You're going to bone health, tendon health, and you're going to feel good and feel stronger in your body. So that's your robust body. And those two things together, and this is the tagline for my own business, <clears throat> it's your strong body and conditioned mind. And if you can get the two of them working together, that's what makes robustness. That's an individual. You put that into a team then. Okay, we have to do our running. It is not nice. We have to do a little bit of work in pre-season. Nobody likes it. There's absolutely no joy in it. People think you're a bit of a sadist because you love to put this stuff out here. You don't do it because it serves a purpose. But still, at the same time, getting them to run up and down in straight lines with a ball or otherwise, it's not going to create... It's not going to get that you need a little bit more um, which I think is why you need to get you need to get them kind of I'm careful what I say this. I don't make it sound like talking with Conor McGregor and MMA or like <laughs> grappling you know but a few shoulders a little bit of resistance a bit of chaos I think was the word we spoke about when we first brought this up just to bring a little bit of chaos about it so that when the game comes around and the serious stuff you're I, I kind of use the line you're unexpected you're unexpecting the expected where things are becoming a little bit, all right, this is chaos, but we train for this all the time. It's fine. Um, so you combine a couple of things like that together. I always say in terms of the running piece, a, a three-point start isn't going to win you a title. It won't win you a game. Um, when have you ever seen 11 footballers line up on the 18-yard box for a three-point start and wait for a gun to go off? You know, it, it just doesn't happen. Uh, yeah. It's a nice tool, obviously, in terms of if you're looking to, walking a little bit of a push off off season or something like that 
but it's not the chaos that the game is. It, we need to try and make it a little bit more realistic at points. Now, yeah, I don't think you do this every minute of every training session, but throw in a couple of surprises. Um, there's things that people won't like, okay? We get them shouldering each other, holding each other back for the resistance. Um, so Sometimes as well, even um, you can get them sort of close to close, head to head, even shouting at each other. Why not? Because that's mm-hmm. going to happen in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, little things like just reactions with the whistle and all decisions going against you why because it's what's going to happen in the game the referee will give a lot against you so you're trying to frustrate them a bit but getting them to, to control that frustration control that aggression and make it work in your favour so um, I'm spiralling here a bit then because I get a bit excited with all this stuff because I try and be a bit creative with it um, if they're giving out to me with a smile on their face, that's when you know you've done your job. Like, but um, look, you're just trying to build. You're trying to build them and prepare them mentally and physically for what's coming ahead. Because, like I said, it's ruthless. It is absolutely ruthless. If we go, if we work through the sort of ages and groups that you've worked with and related to those groups, like the academy, you just brought up at the start then about creating habits and getting used to going into the gym environment. Obviously, we are talking more about the strength side. What the you've, you've just said about robustness being strong and healthy getting into that routine obviously ticks both boxes, doesn't it? You've talked about sort of the mental health side, the stress relieving, um, and then that's without even touching on all the physical benefits that you get from from being in there. So there's obviously that like academy level and then working up to a first team level, um, there's that and more, isn't there? And that, that's what we've got to try and think about when we're trying to create this. It isn't just solely about... Um, dealing with chaos there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on isn't there that we're preparing players for that's it well, I, I'm talking about chaos and the pitch there but your routine is chaos life is chaos and yeah. I, I, you spoke about some of the content I do on social media I always try and bring up stuff that's relevant to a really hectic schedule I get a lot of stick for it because <laughs> you couldn't possibly cause two exercises a programme it's like I can't because it's real this is practical. This is the real world. Mm. Um, if someone has 20 minutes available, you've got to utilise that 20 minutes. Um, and particularly over here, you still have a lot of players who are multi-sport um, or because they're on a scholarship in, in college or university, they still have to play for their university team. So you could have guys playing three games a week, training five times a week. Like it's, 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 it's chaos. It's insane. Mm. Kind of what goes on. And, you know, we talk, the easy thing to do there as an SNC code, oh, Jesus, this is an absolute, look at the workload these guys. And it's not for you to dictate what their workload is because they have a lot on their plate. Um, they have to play for the college because they're being paid to go. Like, that's the reality of it. You can't say to them, don't play that game. So in taking what they might have, and I'm just, you like, this is all hypothetical, by the way, there's not one individual I'm talking about. But this is where you, you can step in and say, right, you've had a heavy week. Talk to me about what's been good about your week. What do you like about it? Don't start with Jesus. That looks awful. <laughs> Ask what you like about it. You know, it's, it's pretty full on because I think about myself as an 18 year old. If I was playing football every day, I'd probably, like, I in my elements, you know, and it's important you're not painting the whole thing as a penance because some people love it. Mm. They're like, your grand, listen, it's great. You know, if I could get another session in, I would. Um, but I always try and start with what's good about that's sort of my opening line is what, what's been good about this and um, what are you enjoying about it and it doesn't matter how hectic it may seem on the outside to us uh, try and find a little point that maybe they enjoy and work from that then in terms of the solutions Brilliant mate and we've talked there from a player perspective and I've saved this topic till last because I think it's the most important I was going to go into this first but I feel like saving this till last sort of um, brings everything together and it's such an important topic that we need to speak about more. And it's dealing with depression. And I know it's something that you've talked about before, but what I wanted to discuss is about as practitioners, as coaches, just as people in general that are dealing with other people, the sort of things we can be aware of, the things we can do um, to support one another. And I think it's, it's a really interesting but really crucial conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I suppose, look, quickly on my own situation, I, I speak very openly about my therapy. I talk about it this, a session the same way I talk about a gym session. Uh, I'm 20 years plus trying to look after my head, into psychiatry, on medication, 
and obviously I train and look after myself as best I can as well and all those things chip together um, to make sure I'm at my best and being a coach helps me be at my best because like I say I know you're responsible for other people's health and well-being as well so I'm always very open and I feel as a coach if I can be open it, it might help you know players and individuals Jesus if the coach can feel like that and he's in this role of responsibility maybe it's okay for me to kind of talk about it as well I'm very lucky with the club um, with Shells to take it very seriously and they're very open and encouraging when it comes to any sort of speak about mental health when it comes to player well-being or even supporters people involved with the club they're very vocal about it and they've tried to create this kind of open space and this safe space in terms of people coming forward. Now, I think we, we talk about mental health awareness. <clears throat> I, I'm conscious about this and I, I, I'm conscious of the audience as well. Mental health awareness exists 100%. We all know, particularly the last two years of what we've all lived through, everybody definitely is a bit more open and accepting to a conversation about somebody not feeling great in themselves because none of us have been at our best the last two years. Um but that said, I think what's often portrayed in the media or a lot of the stories, it can be very sort of clean cut. It can be very vanilla. That, oh, listen, once you get your, you know, your five fruit and veg a day, a bit of fresh air and eight hours sleep, sure, everything will be great. And sometimes it's just, they're all great things and I'm not knocking it in any way, shape or form, but sometimes it's just not that easy. Yeah. Um, we spoke there about routine, about pressure, about the rudenesses sometimes in the game. Um, and for me, being involved in football and that when I was younger, it, it still didn't save me from from sort of spiraling in terms of the journey I've been on. I still have my darkest days despite being involved in football and being involved in sport all my life. Um, so it's sort of we, we need to be careful as to sort of how we you can't provide the absolute solution to people and sort of say, like, oh no, well, here's what you need to do. And it goes back then to just listening, listening to people. And not being afraid to say to somebody like, look, listen, I don't have the answer, but I will listen to you. And, and sometimes that's enough. Sometimes just listening to people is enough because we're not psychologists, we're not psychiatrists. And I'm not even talking about us, you know, as an S&C practitioner. I'm just talking as, as people, person, you know, yeah. in terms of being involved in football or are specialists in this area. But the majority of young players, their coach is the guy they look up to. And I was the same as younger. You're looking up. To, you think these guys are gods. If you're a, if you're that safe, hey, if you're the guy that will give them an ear, they'll remember that, and they will feel comfortable talking to you. They will feel comfortable, even going as far as saying, "I oh, look, I've had a shit day." And sometimes that's enough. That's all you need to hear. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, look, I'd I'd be open to anybody. I really would. I, I don't have all the answers, but absolutely, just. Someone looked talking to somebody is the hardest thing you'll ever do. But I think the biggest thing to kind of remember is when you talk to someone, it's a solution you're searching for. It's not you're not looking to bring a problem to somebody. You're just looking for a solution. And I think that could be a kind of a nice way as an intro to maybe ask for help. So um, look, it's hard for people. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot of pressure. Um, you've got a generation that have missed out in a year and a half of football a year and a half of, you know developing social skills of just face-to-face interaction and then you're thrown back into that situation where you're in a dressing room surrounded by people so that's what I say about even not even about when you're new in a role just taking a little step back maybe just to have a look and see is there somebody that's off is there somebody behaving a different way um and you don't have to get too heavy but just you know, ask them how that day was ask them how everything's going how's college going what are you watching on Netflix Go back to that one as well. So, uh, yeah, no, you've yeah, you've got to look out for people. It, it's, uh, I, I don't know. You'd like to think maybe, like from a from an education perspective, this is something that might come on board with universities in terms of what we do uh, with S and C sport science. That there could be a module developed where you are kind of honing in completely on on, on people's well being, um, in a sort of I don't want to say an official capacity, but in a structured capacity rather than just listening to some agent like me telling you to listen and, and look out for somebody, you know. So, I don't know, maybe you might have a thought, a thought on that, uh, Ben, if, if you... Because I'd actually, I'd like to hear someone else's perspective on this from a coaching side, like... Mate, I think it's such an important thing. And the fact of the matter is, like, we just spoke about 
we're dealing with people. Like, forget the fact that footballers, we're dealing with people or, or um, they could be players, they could be coaches, they could be anyone. We're dealing with people. But to take it back to football, and I know literally last week, I think it's Crystal Palace have now got out this... Um, I don't know whether it's a scheme or I'm not sure what it is, but they're essentially they're helping players that now get released. And that's what that's real. That's what you're going to deal with as a coach, as an SNC coach. You're going to deal with players that don't get contracts, that end up in in what they see as, as bad situations. So people are going to be low. There's going to be times when they're low. And forget even the contracts. There's going to be times where you've got a group of players where you do have some players that are that are flying, that are feeling great, but within the group. There's always going to be a few that aren't feeling as good as what they should. And I think it's so important to have these conversations and make coaches aware that when you've got a group of 20, 30 players in front of you, it goes back to what we talked about before. They're individuals. People behave differently in groups to individual. And what you've talked about time and time again, which I think is so important, is the fact of having these conversations, but more importantly is listening to what they're saying. And, and, and just to extend on that as well, it might not be that you're getting a conversation with them where you can actually listen, but but watching and being aware, like you can see when people aren't 100% at it, can't you? Like there might be someone behaving a little bit differently in terms of, of what they're doing in training or whatever. And you, as a coach, not to say this is your only job, because obviously there's a lot of responsibility going on anyway, well, just being aware of this sort of thing and, and discussing it more. And we don't have enough conversations, do we, about this sort of thing and make people aware on, and, and maybe obviously without talking about names, discussing instances that have happened where you've been like, this player is normally like this. They normally speak in this way. They normally act in this way. And on this day, they didn't. And, and, and I did this. And I think that's maybe what's needed more, just more conversations about it, which, which will help people in the long run. Good point. And yeah, I suppose I even tying in like simple things and say, uh, in terms of the well being piece relative to what we do as conditioning coaches, like your RPEs game, like if you're running that and you see somebody with a, you know, an eight, nine, or 10 for four nights in a row or something, you're thinking, oof, hang on a second. So, like, even things like that, you'd be encouraging people just to be honest about. Um, you know, I'm just sorry, I was just thinking off the top of your head there, Ben, just kind of little ways that you can sort of help maybe monitor the situation. Um, just based on obviously some people would have access to technology in that terms of the teams are dealing with. It could be the GPS piece if somebody's usually sprinting left, right, and center and they're not, you know, it might not be that they're not putting the work in, <clears throat> could be just the heads a bit all over the place or whatever it may be. Like, so, um, but definitely, I think as you know, even as backroom staff, as support staff. I don't think we can be ignorant of that stuff. I do think it's 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 a big part of our role, um, in terms of developing people. Not even developing people, just being a coach. Like that's what you're there for. You look after people and make sure everybody's everybody's doing okay. Because look, if we were feeling pretty shit about something, someone, something there in the night, you'd like to think one of the other staff would maybe come to you and ask if you were all right as well. So, um, and again, I think a big driver probably now like for me is you think of yourself as an 18 year old as well and you know you'd like to think as a coach you looked up to that they'd come to you maybe if you were a little bit shy about asking so um but even the crystal palace thing i think yeah i see it was like the aftercare plan or something um it, it's it's brilliant to see and it, it's actually quite remarkable you think 2022 and you're only seeing something like that in the in the premier league now so you'd like to think that's something that will become the norm very quickly um so it'll be interesting, even in a year's time, you know, maybe speak to someone in the club and see what how the success of it has been or how it's been received. Um, I think that'd be interesting to see. But look, it is it's despite it being late, it is great to see. Uh, the other thing with that, David, obviously that's for players, which is great because players get basically sold the dream a lot of the time, don't they? And when when things don't yeah. go according to plan, obviously it is a massive psychological. Um, issue for a lot of players that when they have this contract that's just in just out of reach and then that gets taken away, you can understand completely. But to talk from a coach perspective, there's coaches that are having jobs snapped away from them. Like there's coaches that are in positions in the Premier League or whatever it is, a manager leaves and then they're out of work. So I hope in the future, this is also something that's available for coaches. Because like you said, 
it doesn't matter whether it's players, coaches, like it doesn't matter what the role is, it's people. So this sort of stuff should be available for, for anyone. Yeah, and again, my own experience, this is why I've plucked up a bit of courage in the last year to start networking and connecting with other coaches because I hadn't done it previously. And again, it wasn't arrogance or anything. It, it, it wasn't done out of a lack of confidence. It was, it was because of a lack of confidence where you were basically, oh my God, I better not message that guy. He, like, he'll look at me and think I'm an idiot. He, he won't learn anything from me. Like, why would he want to hear from me? Whereas now it's like, I'll get in touch with anyone in the hope like you can have a chance, uh, have a chat. And if you can build up your own little network, I think it does give you, it, it gives you someone to talk to in a similar, you know, in a similar vein. Like you say, if you are let go or you're struggling financially, you're struggling business-wise, you have someone to bounce off uh, within our industry because, as you know, outside of what we do, some people don't really get it or don't really understand what we do. So definitely, if you have your own small network, and like I'm not talking about joining unions and this, that, and every single, you know, group that's available. If you just get two or three people, you can bounce off. Uh, I think it will be a help in terms of talking about, as you say, whether it's your career progression or just setbacks or, or anything in terms of the industry or what we do, because, uh, yeah, it, it's tough going, Ben, as you know. <laughs> Mate, it is. But the, the other thing with that is that all practitioners are facing very similar battles, aren't they? So exactly. the fact that you can have that discussion with someone and be like, oh, so you feel the same way? Yeah, I do. Well, not that it's going to correct the issue, but it just it, it aligns you a little bit more, doesn't it? You you make you understand and you can have these discussions and it just opens up some good quality conversations. And I think that's the important factor. It happens all the time when we have our network meetings that coaches will bring up like a challenge that they're facing and be surprised that everyone else around the table says the same thing. And then I think yeah. it's just it just needs to happen more. And you, and you need to bring a network mate to Dublin, Ben. That's exactly what you need to do. <laughs> mate, I'd absolutely love to. So we'll get that, we'll get that in the books. Um, you, can host it, you can host it in my sitting room. No problem. <laughs> Brilliant. I'll take you up on that one, mate. David, I really appreciate you going into that because um it's a really, really important topic and it needs to be it needs to be covered more. So thank you very much for being so open with that. I really appreciate it. We'll just wrap things up on the podcast with some of the quick fire questions. Um, I always say with these, you don't have to be so quick fire. So don't worry about, you've not got a time <laughs> limit or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> just to start with, um, who are some of the biggest influences on your career so far? Yeah, look, I think I mentioned me dad. And again, I think it's a common answer with coaches, but he's... Um, like I say, I just learned so much from growing up. He's he's a very uh, very old fashioned sort of mindset, quite stoic actually, and you know he's very very honest, very principled. Um, I'll give you an example. Actually, he he won a Player of the Year quite late in his career at some point, and like refused to accept it. He was like, "What? Why do you pick Player of the Year?" He's like, "It's a squad game. Like, why would you pick one person?" And uh, he wouldn't take it. And look, he wasn't being an arsehole about it. He was generally just like, this mm. is a really strange award. I, I can't be accepting that. Like, he was almost embarrassed, you know, that way. Like, so I'm just going to give you an idea of his mindset. Like, but um, even now, I mean, he's he's late 50s now. He's He works for himself. He works six six days a week, plays his golf, um, lives a quiet life. But um, even now, look, I still kind of, I, I admire him so much. So he's been massive and... Then, like this, another guy, just quickly, Ben, I'm conscious of the time. There's a, a friend of mine, Dave Curran. He's actually a former tutor of mine. Um, he was a tutor in college, actually, when I studied English. And he, he's actually remained a really close friend since. And he's kind of my mentor in every aspect of life. Uh, and an unbelievable manager and coach. And this guy's never done a coaching badge in his life. He's never done any qualification, man. But just we talk about just getting people together and believing in so he just has that with a group um, and he is superb like absolutely superb no matter who he's working with and again that's probably the teacher background in him um, and probably again another industry we could probably learn something from but he's, a, he's one of my closest friends and someone I just kneel on in a lot of areas of my life um, and someone I'd be lost without so those two people absolutely massive absolutely massive influences for me 
Brilliant. And what would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? Yeah. Oh, this is the part where I'm supposed to say soft skills, aren't they? <laughs> That's what we all <laughs> No, you can say whatever you want. It's it's an awful term, isn't it? Like you don't go around saying, "Yeah, my flaccid skills are fantastic." Like, <laughs> <laughs> like they need to change that term. Um, <laughs> Two two things. Um, sorry, that, that that's a really in joke, isn't it? Let's slag our soft skills. Uh, so we I think we all think we're better than we are sometimes with it, but um, it's important. Um, I'm gonna get a lot of bleeding threats after this. Ben. <laughs> Look, we take, listen, we take ourselves very seriously as practitioners. We get wrapped up in numbers and percentages. We have to take the piss out of ourselves every now and again. Hundred uh, percent, definitely. So. Uh, no, look, there's two things on a serious note. I, I think simplicity is one of them. Just keeping things really, really simple. Um, I've always tried to do that. I, I do like to be creative and have a bit of fun, but I just try and keep things really simple. And I look genuinely specifically on the soft skills piece, um, just connection, like just being there, making that connection and sort of knowing how to do it and when to do it. And that's come with time. I think I spoke a lot about kind of taking a stand back um, and watching and observing. So that's come with practice. But I'd like to think it's something I'm good at. Um, maybe I'm not. You could have some of my athletes listening to this saying, what is that fella talking about? But <laughs> it is something I'm trying to improve on. And I think genuinely, like, look, all jokes aside, I think it is something a lot of coaches we are all very clued in with and very clued in to kind of get better at and improve at all the time. And it's important. Without a doubt, it's important. But um, yeah, hope that answers your question. Definitely. And then last one, which will be interesting with everything that you've got going on and the masters and everything. But in terms of CPD, um, what's your approach? Like, how do you go about continually learning and progressing as a practitioner? Jesus, yeah, Google Ads sees me coming. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think traditionally I've tried to do like kind of one a year. Y you look at something maybe to do one a year. Um, Pre-COVID, obviously, I would have gone to a lot of seminars, um, things like that, a lot of network meetings. Hopefully now that's something we can get back to. Um, the Masters is obviously, it's massive. So if I'm honest with you, this year it's probably taking a bit of a, a backseat looking at other courses, understandably. Um, what was the most recent one I I did the the Exos Performance Specialist one I really enjoyed. Um, I just found that a real paint by numbers. Just follow it at your own pace. I really really enjoyed that. Um, I've done a couple of business ones. There's a guy over here, Brian Keane Fitness. He's he's really good. He's helped me in terms of the business side. Um, Sam Peppers is another one. Brilliant. Um, he's doing a lot of great stuff in terms of mentorship and that. Uh, but look, I try and pick one a year, uh, Ben, to be honest with you. And I think probably just, I'm trying to think in terms of advice of people, in terms of picking it. Uh, obviously, due diligence is massive. Don't be blinded by an ad on Instagram. Do, do a little bit of research in terms of a course. And I think one thing to remember is that even if a course is sort of, if it's brilliant, it could still be a lot of money. So just make sure it's worth doing relevant to what you're doing with your sport. Yeah. I've made that mistake where I have paid money, done this great course and realized, you know what, actually that probably wasn't that helpful. And you know, what? it's okay to say that sometimes as well. I think sometimes we're almost afraid to say, well, shit, I better not say that wasn't relevant. It's not as if you're announcing it to the world. It's mm -hmm. all a learning process. Um, so yeah, just be patient if you are picking courses. And I think now the great, there's so many available so much available so just be patient take your time do the due diligence have a little look around and just pick one don't go on an absolute mad one picking four or five courses to do at once because it'll get messy you won't finish them and you, you won't finish them with your heart you know that way you won't do it properly if you start picking left right and center so just have a look at one an area you're interested in brilliant mate well thank you very much for giving up your time and coming on this has been awesome chatting to you um, some really good information there and great advice for coaches as well. Just finish us up. Um, where's the best place to keep an eye on what you got going on? Um, yeah, probably just my Instagram, uh, performance under doc. Oh, no, sorry, I can remember your name, performance underscore doc uh, on Instagram. Um, that's probably my weapon of choice. I'm not on Twitter or anything. Um, 
But uh, now, look, I try and be really engaging and, and, and chat to people. So if anyone does want to get in touch, absolutely, please drop me a message because I will. I'll probably reply to you within 10 seconds. Like, so uh, do get in touch. As I said, the last year or so, I've taken a lot of time to try and talk to different coaches and that just to see like what, what can be learned and get ideas and swap ideas. So always open to, to hearing from people um, and uh, and having a bit of fun as well, having a laugh. It's, it's important. We forget that sometimes. Definitely, mate. Well, thank you very much for coming on, David, and giving up your time. It's been absolutely quality speaking to you, mate, and we'll stay in touch. No, listen, it's brilliant, Ben. Thanks very much for having us. Thank you. I absolutely love this chat with David. I think it was such an honest and open discussion and I know that David listening into the podcast as well. So if you're listening, mate, thank you very much for your time and coming on and also for being so open and honest. And we discussed, obviously, around robustness, around working with different players. But I really do appreciate you coming on and talking about everything in terms of depression, because I think it's such an important topic that we need to speak about more. So a big thank you to you for coming on. Go and give David a follow. He's over on Instagram at performance underscore doc. Takeaways for me on this one. He made a great point where he said that we we have to make career decisions at 16. And obviously he spoke about his journey. And I've spoke to a few other people about this recently where we don't all have in mind that we're going to end up where we do. And I don't think this is just sports science or strength conditioning. I think this is just careers in general. But what we do have to sort of take away along the journey is if we end up in sports science or strength conditioning or technical coaching or whatever it is, but we have gone on through slightly different pathways, we can take plenty along the way from, from whatever we're studying. And I think that's that's just something to be aware of. Um, he spoke about the Netflix test, which I really liked in terms of getting to know your players. If you don't know what they're watching on Netflix, that needs to be a big part of what you're talking to them about because obviously that shows that you're spending time with them and finding out a little bit about them. Um, He spoke about not trying to be the player's boss, which I think is good because it gives you that relationship where um, they'll have that mutual respect. You're not telling them what to do a lot of the time. We're just guiding players, aren't we? We're trying to get them to make the right decisions about things or or decisions that are hopefully going to help them as well. And then he also spoke about something that obviously we speak about a lot, building a strong network. And in terms of where we spoke about depression, I think it's really important because you need those people to reach out to. You need those people that are going to be honest with you as well. Um, But I think there's some really good discussions to have. And I really appreciate David not only speaking about it, but also giving his uh, feedback on how to approach conversations with people that are possibly struggling like it's, it's not that they need an answer. There's not one answer out there where you're just going to say one thing and it's just suddenly all better. But can you use your ears? Can you listen? Um, can you ask people if they're okay and, and be genuine about it, not just not just in a, a chat like we all do? Um, I think that they're some of the takeaways for me. There's, there isn't one approach. There isn't one answer. But having more conversations um, and listening to people and listening to what they're saying, I think that's some of the most important stuff to take from the podcast. So like I said at the start, if there's one reason to to spread this podcast and to share it, I think it's that because I think it's a really important message. And again, I've just said it, but David, thank you very much for coming on and being so honest. I really appreciate it. And I hope everyone took plenty away from this podcast, which I'm sure you did. And again, give it a share. If you've not already left us an iTunes review, I think you can do it on Spotify now as well. So if there's any Spotify listeners out there, I think you can click the five stars. I don't think you leave a written review, but I think you can just click the stars on the episodes as well. I really would appreciate that. And um, yeah, again, thank you very much for listening. And I'll catch you again next week in episode 175.